HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Welcome to this week's Antler Up podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. We are on episode 146, and on this week's episode, Dimitri and I, we were joined by PA native Kurt DeLotry, and Kurt runs Ridge Rage Outdoors, where he puts out some really great content, whether it be videos on his Instagram, all that stuff. And he's a diehard whitetail hunter that puts in a ton of time scouting to put himself in the best opportunity to kill a public land buck. Uh, and, and private land. It doesn't matter for Kurt. But over the years, Kurt has really enjoyed putting the time in to find and hunt the swamps of northwestern Pennsylvania. But for this specific episode, Kurt shares his tactics and strategies to find the rut. So he'll discuss in this one the importance of historical trail cam data and the role it plays in making a more calculated decision to hunt this time of year. So right now, Man, I love this time of year, the kind of the 8th through like the 14th. This kind of seems to be the action period for me uh, when I've always kind of had more luck. So we dive into all this type of topics and get into a whole lot of different rut hunting topics and strategies. So enjoy this week. Those of you uh, out getting after it, good luck and antler up. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. What's up, everybody? We're back. We're live for another episode of the Antler Up podcast, and we're joined on the other line tonight by Kurt DeLotri. So, Kurt, man, thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I'm excited. Dude, I'm really, really excited. And it's, you know, man, you know, it's getting to be that time of year right now. Like we're just talking about, you know, the rut, you know, this is airing on November, November 9th. So it's that time of the year where all day sits are happening. Hunters are out on their rutcation. And if you're mm -hmm. in it, chaos is happening in the deer woods, right? And on top of that, for us PA guys, this Sunday coming up is, you know, we were able to hunt that, and this is a time frame where a lot of guys circle this week on the calendar and are ready to go after. But before we do that, before we dive into this crazy talk of the rut, uh, Kurt, man, I would like for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Run us through the back of that hunting player card that of yours. 
Yeah, sure. Well, my name's Kurt Delatry. I started hunting probably when I was, I don't know, eight or so. Uh, I'm originally from Warren, Pennsylvania, uh, up in the big woods up there. A lot of people probably know about that now. Um, killed some good bucks, uh, all on public land back, back in Warren. And then I ended up, um, going into the service. Then I got out and then I moved up, up here, uh, in Crawford County actually, which is only like an hour from Warren. Um, now I live here with my wife and my, my one son. And then, uh, yeah, I just hunt, I, I pretty much just hunt all swamps around here and stuff. I love it. And, uh, I find big deer every year. It's just, uh, it's just hard to get them down sometimes, but I've killed some really good bucks out here. Uh, every buck I've killed, I think since I've been home, except one, which was last year has been in the mucky, you know, swamp. And uh, I, I love it. I mean, some, it's hard for some people, but I like it. So it gives you a little different tactic than compared to a lot of, you know, people you hear, you know, the last couple of years, it's the big woods, it's the mountain bucks, it's this, yeah. and you're kind of going that whole other direction and saying give yeah. me that sw- that swampy guy and around here we don't really i mean i could be totally wrong i'm not really familiar with big swampy areas uh not not a whole lot i mean n- not up here in the mountains yeah i mean you might find some like you found that little marshy area or some yeah. wetland um but i wouldn't really qual- call it a swamp. swamp no hell no <laughs> no no not at all that's cool man you know set like we yeah, all like you. like you hear on podcasts and you know youtubers and all type of stuff you always hear go where go other people where aren't aren't going to be one and then two you know that thickest nastiest stuff where you think those bucks are living in some swamps so that, you know, these bucks feel comfortable back there. Yeah, man. Big deer have wet feet. I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, dude. Hey, you just got to find them. A lot of people don't think there's big deer around here, but Pennsylvania is becoming really, really good with, you know, it's a sleeper state. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's becoming up there in the top 10 or so. I think um, there's giants killed every year in PA. Oh, 100%. And you just got to find them. So, yeah, I'd, I I've been listening to a lot more uh, Zach Farinbaugh at least recently, and man, I I love when people when a topic comes up and you know he's talking about Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like where he'll be like, people don't think you know, just yeah, or people are going to Ohio because they're leaving one state thinking there's not big deer there, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it's I just love listening to him because he loves PA. I mean, obviously, oh, he, yeah, has, he loves it. You know, he had an opportunity on a buck a couple of years ago, but just even having him on our show, you know, earlier in the year. And I just, I just know that he, you know, he thinks highly of PA, which is, you know, like you said, it's, I, it's definitely up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's a sleeper state and I'm trying to keep it hush hush, but yeah. it's not going to be like that for much longer. Yeah. So, <laughs> now, why do you think that, what, what is your reason about PA? You know, do you think it was just kind of the, the antler rule when we were kind of growing up that, that really developed Pennsylvania? Do you think it's, you know, the, the terrain features and the knowledge that's really expand since, since we were younger, what do you think has kind of led to Pennsylvania really growing? Cause it's, it hasn't been like that long and it, you know, it was totally different when our parents were growing up and even early on in our first hunting career what what are your thoughts on that oh yeah i i definitely think it's the antler restriction but i also think and you know this is very they're very much my opinion but i just think there's very knowledgeable and dedicated hunters in 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 pa and there's just guys that pass up good deer i went out um the first saturday here uh down in 2b 
and I am shooting a doe, but I passed up seven different bucks all on public land and two of them were nice, were nice deer, you know? Um, but I just think there's just the, the dedication and the, the work that people put in, in PA, the hunters that are around you. And obviously you have like your, you know, your rifle guys that go out twice a year or whatever and kill a big deer. But I, I really think that more people are just figuring out, like if you pass a deer and if you give it another year or two, it can really go, grow into something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people are really getting into the food plots and feeding the deer and, and managing and stuff like that, their properties. And, and I think that's a big reason why, but Pennsylvania is, it's just a, it's a, it, it's a beautiful state. It has everything that you need, really. It's got swamps. It's got hill country. It's got farm country. It's got, you know, flat land. I mean, it's really got anything that the deer like. And I mean, that's why the deer grow big here. And we have a good species of, of whitetails here in PA. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just watched that video before coming down here to do this podcast, <laughs> and I just have to say, I think you're crazy <laughs> for passing those, especially those two bucks up. I mean, I was just, what is he doing? <laughs> no, trust me, I, I, I commented on a couple of those people's comments on my on my uh, video, and I said, you would pass those deer up too if you saw the deer that I had on camera. So that's yeah. all I got to say. And I, I just, I can't, I can't. I don't know. I hold myself into a little bit of higher standard. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from those deer or, you know, cause those are still really good deer for PA. Um, but with the deer that I have on camera and, and the time and effort that I put in every single year, it wouldn't be worth me going down to Pittsburgh and shooting, you know, a two and a half year old and being tagged out. So, you know, it is what it is, but I know I'm going to punch a tag this year on a good one. So I've oh, put too much work in. I love it, man. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about this. It was funny because, you know, I had a colleague of mine. He's a big hunter. He actually, he and his, he takes his son up to, uh, up near Elk County area. And, you know, throughout the fall, always showing me photos of some deer that he has. And obviously some elk too, which is awesome to see on trail camera, like here in Pennsylvania. And he asked me like a question and it was just, it's just so broad and so general. And I was I was like, dude, this is perfect timing because having you on and everything, and it's just to ask, and he goes, how do you guys find the rut? And I'm like, like, hmm, that's a really, you know, good question just because we always hear of the the pre-rut phase, the rut, the lockdown, and Mm post-rut, all this type of, all the different phases that go into it. You know, so let me ask you that, like, Kurt, how do you, how do you find the rut? You got to be out there, <laughs> <laughs> right? You always, and, and it was funny because I said the same thing to him. I was kind of like, well, you, you have to be out there like time on stand. And I guess it's that volume sit and depending on, you know, like a lot of us that are full-time workers, we do have those select dates, right? You know, you, you might be able to take two days here and, you know, Dimitri, I know for you, you usually take what, four yeah, I usually, I mean, we talked about the Sunday hunting. So I typically use that to my advantage where I don't have to take as many days off, but I still have a pretty extensive uh, um, rotation where I, I will take like a, either a Friday or Monday and still get to hunt four days or I'll take last year what I did. I right took here. Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Monday, and then you get five straight days of hunting. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, so I kind of use that to my advantage, but we've also 
like you you were asking like when how do we find the right well we kind of use uh historical data of mm-hmm. when we find yeah. the most um activity activity and what we're seeing is it's around that time frame that that maybe the ninth through the 15th kind of that second to last week mm-hmm. um leading into that last week and that's when we kind of see the the hottest action in our area and we've talked about it on yeah. here where you know we feel like at, even in pennsylvania specifically every area might be a little bit different you know give or take a little bit right yeah for me i kind of exactly what you just said and what i th- have found like well i don't want to dive into like a specific uh strategy right here and there but that was kind of like my answer to him was I was like, man, it's time on stand. It's the volume sit using what we have seen more so recently, like how Demetri was saying centrally located here in PA, man, the last couple of years, it is that uh, ninth through the 15th, 16th has been money fire. Heck, even last year in 2021, when I went home and I hunted that Sunday timeframe that Friday, I saw uh, good movement. I was drawn back on a buck around like one o'clock during the day because a little bit before that there, a doe came through Saturday was crappy weather. Uh, it just, it was kind of dead. And then I actually had a, mm-hmm. uh, a family member, have special birthday. She was, you know, it was a great aunt that was getting up there in age. So we went to, you know, do that. And then Sunday morning, my dad tagged out on a, a nice big old seven pointer, big body buck up, you know, northeastern uh, Pennsylvania. But, uh, and then that night, right at last light is when I saw the the big boy that I was after. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, that time frame is, you know, like you said, you're kind of, you just got to get out there and, and find what makes it happen. So, I mean, yeah, f- that's how we find the rut. So I was just curious of yeah. asking you that, like as broad as general as that is, how do you find the rut? Yeah. You just have to be out there, but also, um, he made a good point. You guys both did, but I look at that historical data out of my trail cameras too. And for the last couple of years, I've hunted close to the same public areas. Um, I have a couple, you know, game lands and things that I hunt around here. Um, some big properties, some big public properties that I hunt in some swamps and things. And, out of those, so we'll pick three of those. So I have one permission property, which a lot of other people hunt. So it's, I wouldn't call it public, but it still gets pressured. And then I have, um, two other public lands that I hunt. I've killed bucks on both of them the last four years or whatever. Um, the first spot that I'll go over is, um, way back in, in the swamp. It's a couple of thousand acres. Um, I always see a lot of activity on that public piece in that certain area right around the 28th through November 4th. I killed uh, a really big 10 pointer on this, this uh, public land uh, a couple years ago on the 27th of October, he came in hitting a scrape, but my cameras have shown me that most of those deer are in there checking for does, you know, the last couple of days of October and the first couple of days of November, then switch to the other, other public land the biggest buck, which is actually this guy behind me, um, in the one thirties, uh, I killed him on November 7th. Okay. And he was, he was chasing a doe. He, you know, he was dogging a doe on the, on the seventh and, uh, right between, you know, uh, ag field and a swamp and I killed him. And then 
Um, so those deer usually on that public piece, they usually rut in there fifth through like the ninth of November. And the thing about it is like does in that certain area will come into estrus the same time every year. I know people, people always make me laugh and it, it's just funny to me. Cause they're like, the, do- the rut's going to be, you know, the does are going to be in heat early this year. The rut's going to be <laughs> early. It's like, no, I mean, there's, there's certain things that make that a little different with, you know, weather and, and different things like that. But does every year will come into rut or come into estrus the same time in that certain area. And then the, the fawns that they, when they breed and they have fawns, those fawns, those doe fawns, those female fawns will come into estrus the same time as that mama doe does too, which is kind of interesting. That's why the historical data is very cool to figure out on camera. So, and then this other, other piece that I shot uh, buck on last year that I never found, he was probably in the one forties. That area, they, they, they were really running does like, the eighth or ninth to like the 15th, like what you guys were saying. And I ended up shooting that big one, hit him back and I never found him. My arrow hit a branch, but, um, I, I shot him on the 11th of November. He was in, he came in chasing six does. Yeah. So, I mean, it really just depends on the area, but it seems like within like a, you know, 15, 20 mile radius of where I hunt here, it all varies. And, uh, it just depends on when, that certain area, those does go into estrus. Well, and I even think it's, that's another reason it's important to, to run some cameras in areas that you're not maybe hunting that, that year or at that yeah. time, just because I think a lot of us, and I'm, I mean, we talk about it all the time that we're guilty more than probably anyone that we pull those cameras too early, right? Mm-hmm. We're afraid of mm-hmm. getting them stolen, hunting public ground, you know? Um, so we kind of lack that, year-to-year data and we're just trying to get that real-time data where that's going to be beneficial of of kind of accumulating that throughout the years and really know when those does are going to go um into estrus and know when that rut's going on without actually having to be in there um and that could be a huge advantage just like you said it it could be hot you know a couple miles down the road because those does um, mm-hmm. one week and then the following week, you know, that spot with the camera spot, yeah. be hot. And then, you know, right. where to spend your time. Right. Um, yes. yep. and when we're really time limited, that's very important. Yeah. Well, that's something you and I both have stepped up. Like, I know, like you said, we've been guilty of that, but I would say the last year, year and a half, we've had more trail cam data in two years. So like for me, Kurt, back at home in Northeastern PA, I would say I'm on year, this is next year will be like year three that I'll have kind of trail cam data. Mm-hmm. And f- when I was going through my spreadsheet recently, what I have found was like October 24th until I would say November 1st, it, it lights up, right? Like mm-hmm. it, as long as depending on certain spots, like not saying lights up as in it's crazy, but you get day walkers and you get some right. really good bucks. Then Actually, that that little first couple of days of November, it gets quiet, and I think that's when yeah, that lockdown phase happens in northeastern Pennsylvania. For me, like the areas that I hunt, and then starting now, like November seventh through the next couple of days, man, I I mean I've tagged out on a buck on November eighth, and just you know, I, I mean it's it 
th- this time frame is usually really good, but that early November, I mean, I would even take off because in the previous couple of years, we would have like an in-service day, November 2nd or 3rd, and it would just be grading. So I, it, it's a really easy in-service day for, you know, that I would be able to <laughs> get sick and not go in. Yeah. But now, and I, every time I would go in, I'm thinking, this is it. This is going to be a great time. And I, mm-hmm. I would see nothing. You know, or mm-hmm. or I would kind of bounce around and just be like, I, I'd scratch my head a lot, and you know, even in our trail cams for my dad and I would show it gets quiet there in that time frames, and I just yeah. I think for me personally, in that spot, it's a it's a good lockdown time period. Yeah, I think it could be definitely a lockdown, um, but also what what you made me realize is a lot of the times when people take off work. What days did they take off? Yeah. Fridays. Yep. Yep. So, um, those first couple of days in November, along with that, mm-hmm. the pressure can really, um, downgrade or whatever you want to call it your percentage in that certain area. It depends on, you know, if you're hunting public or whatever, but it doesn't really matter because a lot of people are taking off work the first couple of days in November anyway. And I think pressure has a lot to do with that as well. And then sometimes, especially the last couple of years, we haven't had the best weather on those first couple of days in November. It seems like it could be really, really good in October, the end of October, to till about maybe Halloween. And then we get like a hot phase, and then it cools right back down like the 5th or something like that. Yep. At least the last two or three years it's been like that. I remember 2020, it was like oh. hot for two weeks straight. I don't even want to talk about that but um yeah i think it could be you know things change up every year in in certain areas in public land and and whatever you're hunting um due to the pressure as well yeah so people find different spots and they hunt it and then so you know that's why you can bank on historical data but a lot of the times you just have to be in the woods and just figuring it out If, if it's not hot in that area that's it's i think of it as I'm a big turkey hunter too. And I think of it as if, you know, the birds aren't working in that area, you got to go somewhere else. It's the same thing during the rut. If they're not, you know, if they're not hot in that area, go somewhere else. And and like your, like your buddy said, it can, you can go a mile down the road and it can be lights out. Yeah. It's just, you know, it all depends on the area. Yeah. Now, what would you typically, if you had preference, like, cause like we talking about we're all time limited you know some people take their time off uh different times of that rut uh would you rather hunt that kind of the maybe the earlier november where they're kind of daylighting a little bit more maybe not quite chasing as much but they're kind of checking scrapes and you know on their feet a little bit more in that cruising phase um where you're kind of maybe sitting all day sits and and trying to get that uh daylight movement or would you rather hunt when you know there's a couple hot does and they're kind of running wild and you might see more more bucks if if you find that hot doe you know during that rut strategy which one of those you leaning more towards Hmm, good question um i guess for me the my luck in in pa um has been during that later part of November. Uh, I've killed, I killed him on the seventh. I killed another big eight point on the eighth. Um, and then I kill, I shot that really, really big one last year on the 11th. So it seems like for me, like the seventh 
through the 11th or 12th are always really, really good. And the first couple of days in November, you know, I, I see decent movement, but like you said, it just sometimes slows down around that time. Yeah. But I also love the end of October. Love it. You know, on those, uh, later November days, what time frame are you, were you connecting? Oh, I love morning. Well, okay. I killed, um, this buck in the evening. I killed, I've killed most my deer in the mornings. Let's just say that. Yep. Yeah. That's the, kinda... one, the one that I hit last year was seven forty-five in the morning. I think eight o'clock, something like that. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of good luck with the morning and a lot of during that, like he got done breeding a doe and he's in that transition area going, either looking for obviously cruising, mm-hmm. maybe looking for another doe, I don't know, food, whatever. And on a trail and I've seen more deer buck encounters during that time. So morning that afternoon than I have in the evenings. I just, okay. yep. evenings for me are kind of always, I don't want to say it, they've been more of a dud than the mornings. Like I live for that seeing your breath and just out. In the, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like, especially, and I want to talk a little bit about this too, but like in the early mornings, heck it could be in November or I'm sorry, late October, early November, middle November. I love when I get into thick stuff and it's, I end, I'm in there quiet before daybreak and mm-hmm. I can hear rustling going on. 50, 70, 80 yards in front of me. And I just hear him going eh, eh, and he's yep. just trying to get yep. after her. I just, like you said, man, those mornings, I just, I live for those. Mm-hmm. I was, it reminds me, gives me chills. Cause it reminds me, uh, 2020, I, it was probably one of the biggest deer I've ever hunted. He was a mainframe 12, um, probably in the one high one fifties. He ended up getting shot by the Amish, which, you know, uh, is kind of a different story, but, <laughs> Um, I had, I had him on Halloween morning at 70 yards with a doe. I went back in. When was it? The next morning, the next morning I was back in there as me and my buddy were walking in. It was November 1st, first or second. I think we were walking in and, uh, as we were walking in like, you know, hour to hour and a half before it gets light out. We heard bucks fighting back and forth. So we get up to our stand, we hang our stands really quick and it was just getting light out. And he came right underneath us at six yards, right underneath us chasing a doe. It wasn't light enough yet. And I know it was him because just a giant body deer got light out. And we saw him that morning and it was like, just, I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. But it was one of those really crisp, cool mornings and nothing really beats, you know, waking up with the the morning and the sun and God's creation and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I got to pick mornings, man. They're, they're, they're fun. Yeah. What's one thing right now that I guess you could say earlier in the year you key in on, you know, it could be scrapes. It could be like whatever. What's one thing you focus on early that during this time frame right now, it is out the window. You don't even think about it. It's not even a tactic. You're even trying. You're saying like when, Just, when it's early season, I don't, I don't even worry about it now. Yep. So like it's early season, you know, it's October 8th and you know, you're going, you're, you're going closer to bedding. It may be scrapes, all that stuff. Like now, November ninth you're you, you know that tactic is not out is out the window you're not even thinking about that 
Um, well, right now, this might not answer your question, but I'll, I'll break it down really mm-hmm. quick. Um, I like to sit in funnels, obviously. That's just like the golden rule for the rut. But I also like to be extremely close to doe bedding and things like that. Yep. I don't hunt. I don't really even hunt scrapes in the rut because usually my scrapes dry up during the rut. Um, but probably like you said, I don't, I still hunt near buck bedding, but I'm, I'm more in a, in a funnel or a a really main, really good main trail, um, right near doe bedding, because obviously it's the rut. They're looking for does. They want to be downwind of doe bedding so they can catch if there's something in heat and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I guess my answer would be, I don't hunt scrapes in the rut. I just Mm -hmm. don't, it's just, they've never been good for me and, I don't, I mean, I, I know they check them a lot of the times they check them during the night and I've had a lot of nighttime videos and photos during the rut on scrapes, but I just hunt funnels and, and, uh, doe bedding. I think doe bedding is the best thing to hunt during the rut right now. And, uh, if you can get a, a good wind, a good downwind from bedding that you, you're still marginal with, you know, wherever the buck you think is going to come, I think it's, it's a dynamite spot. In what time frames are you are you giving your sits for a specific area? Just because we all go through that that mindset of, you know, we feel that this is a good spot, the wind direction's right, you know, you're on the downwind side of that doe bedding area and just, you know, nothing's happening, right? And then you just kind of yep. contemplate you're thinking in your mind and you're you're saying do I get down? Do I move? You know, do I wait just a little bit longer? You know, is it a day? Is it just that morning sit? You know, maybe two days just just to, to make sure to make nothing's sure. coming through there. Uh, what is your uh, mindset going into that situation? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think uh, for me, it's I, I usually go around this time of year, I usually go on like a two or three day swing. So... I have a lot of stationary stands on these areas, but I also, you know, hunt mobile. So if I have an area in a good rut funnel or whatever, I'll usually give it at least two days. And the reason why I say that is because I've got burnt so many times. Uh, Make a long story short, again, I was hunting at 12 point. This is 2019 though. He was bigger the year before. And this is the second day that I hunted this stand and it was just, you know, a stationary stand about 10 or 15 feet up. And I I didn't really see anything the day before got in there that morning off third shift. And, uh, I heard some grunting up above and didn't see anything, but I just heard grunting and stuff. I waited it out and it was, there was a little bit of rain that morning and uh, I'll never forget it. I was just breaking my camera stuff down because I was exhausted off just off third shift and, it was like 1030 in the morning and I'm like, well, I haven't saw anything, but I know there's probably a hot dough in here. There's some grunting going on. So started breaking my stuff down and all I heard was leaves breaking or branches breaking and leaves rustling. I grabbed my bow. I looked around and that 12 point was standing there at 12 yards. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and he ended up catching me in the tree. And I had a, a lot of history with that deer too. And uh, so that that's, that's a prime example of, you know, that was my second sit there. I didn't see anything the day before. The second day I heard grunting, but didn't see anything. I was getting down on myself. I was tired. I, you know, I wasn't focused. All I had to do was wait 10 more minutes or whatever. And I probably would have had that, had that buck in, in my truck. But, um, yeah, I think, I think a two or three day swing in a stand is, is where you should be. And if 
by day two, if you're not having a good sit and you're not seeing many deer, or you're not seeing good activity, get down noon, one o'clock or whatever, and go to a different spot and get set up by two, three o'clock. And I think you should be fine. Cause that's a great question, like scenario to run through, because that has, it happened to me for many years until you figure things out a little bit. And, you know, I, uh, I actually had, you know, talked to other individuals and at just running scenarios by each other. And, you know, when you get to a spot, like, let's just say, let's say uh, you're coming towards us, right? Central PA, you came in, you saw, you scouted some time with some friends and you're like, wow, this could be a really great spot, like during a rut, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you, you get here for that day and you notice it's it's either one pressure has already been crazy because there's already somebody beat you to the punch basically and you get up there and kind of like what Dimitri just said you're not seeing anything in you know a couple hours or something along those lines and you you just have that in your gut knowing it's not happening here right Mm -hmm. you get down and I this is where I want you to maybe transition to the funnel situation and you weren't on a funnel right so now you get down you're looking at the at your whatever mapping service you're using you find the funnel what is what is your go-to now like how are you run us through this situation of going to that funnel setting up what what does this funnel look like in this scenario so i mainly have swamps like i said before so we'll go off that so if i find um some of the best funnels that i've found have not been on the map i said i talked about that on the exodus podcast but um stuff that you can't find on the map because that stuff doesn't get pressured, but we'll go, we'll go with what you said. So if I find a, if I find a distinct funnel in between, you know, an ag field or, you know, a block of timber or two swamps, like, you know, that makes like a, a pinch point or a funnel, I'll check the wind. And if I have the right wind and I can, I can usually tell, um, on my map where the doe bedding is in that certain area, just, just from, you know, past experience and stuff like that. So if, if I have the right wind and it's blowing in my favor and the, and I know the deer are going to come from a certain way and check that, that bedding area, that doe bedding area, then, you know, I'll get in there with my mobile set and I'll set up, I don't know how far, 60 yards from that, from that, uh, doe bedding, but usually right on the corner of that funnel and I'll usually have a pretty good set. That's usually what I'll do. Um, and I've had that many times where my virgin sit the first time I sit in there, I'll see two or three bucks. And the, actually this buck here, I've never been in that area. I went in, I did scout it in the summer. Um, not, uh, boots on the ground scout, but I map scouted it and stuff. And, uh, I went in there, my first sit in there, wasn't seeing anything. And, uh, you know, I called my wife and I'm like, this is just not happening. And she said, just, just give it some time, you know, uh, sailor prayer or whatever. And, and I did 30 minutes later, this guy came in through that funnel and, and was, uh, following that doe and, and I shot him. So, um, my wife some- would have said, all right, well, good. Come on home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was before we had kids too. Yeah. So. but um but yeah uh i think if you just i think if you map scout that way and you can find that and then check the wind and i'll check the wind as i go in with milkweed and things Mm -hmm. like that um and then just set and wait and a lot of the times your sits are going to be really good because 
it could be really good and bad sometimes to scout all year round and go out and scout. Obviously we want to do that, but sometimes I'm sure you guys are in the same boat. Sometimes I get in the habit of going in a certain spot and I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit in that tree. I'm going to sit in that tree. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that stuff doesn't work out for the wind and things like that. Well, and I think this time frame, and I think, I don't mean to cut you off. I think this time frame is the most, most difficult time to scout because yeah, the bucks aren't laying down as much sign, and you know nope. what I mean. So I I find this time like difficult because, like you said, you know that's a good doe bedding area. Like that's what you got to key in on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're not keying in on scrapes and things like that. We're keying on in on funnels and you know good trails that we know deer travel and just put the time in. That's really what it comes down to with this time of year in the rut is just you. Get, you just got to be out there. It's not like early season where you go out the last two hours of last light or the first two hours in the morning. Like you just got to put the time in. It's, it's a grind this time of year. You just got to put it, the time in and you might not see a deer for four hours and all of a sudden, Boom. bam, there, there he is. And it, you're, you're tagged out. Yep. So that's, it, it just comes down to mental toughness and, and being, you know, that's, that's why we do it. We just, we work at it and we keep going and we work for it. And then, uh, it can happen like, bam, you bring up the mental toughness. And, and I know we we've had multiple people on the podcast talk about this just because we enjoy that discussion, but that just says it's an example. Kurt, what you just said, you cannot see something for four hours and then all of a sudden, yep. bam. So there it goes, it, it yep. goes to show you like, you know, obviously you, you're all, people are always on their phone and diddle daddling or, or falling off in, in la la land just, or sleeping. Like it just proves to you, like you have to be ready in an instant. I mean, the buck that I was drawn back on last year, I remember I, the tree I was in was a really wonky tree. And I was actually, I had to stand on my saddle platform, like a tree stand and all of a sudden, like just out of nowhere, over top of this bench on on like on my ridge, this these does just come bussing, running for their life. And I'm like, I couldn't move. She got like seven yards to my trail, and she skirted like you know made a, a 90 degree angle going the other way. And right in that moment, I knew nothing was behind her right then and there. But I grabbed my my bow and I was ready. Obviously, like mm-hmm. in that situation, I got lucky because the doe was first and he wasn't right on their heels. And then for the next 20 minutes, I mean, I was like death gripping my bow and I'm like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Like, did he, you know, what happened? And all of a sudden he comes flying up like a, like, like a man, a madman. And then all of a sudden he got to about 30 yards. He stopped on a dime and I don't know if he caught her wind or what, but he didn't follow that trail right to me. Like Mm -hmm. she would have, like, I, like I could have jumped on her back and, he just stopped and I got a full draw. And as soon as he kept walking, he kept walking kind of on an angle in a way. And I was just like, I'm not forcing this shot. And then he ended up, he took maybe four steps and then he kind of like trotted back right after her and straight line to towards her. But that just is a key moment where you have to be ready. I mean, how many times, you know, has that happened where boom, like you said, out of nowhere. A lot of instances I've had that just, I was telling you about that big 12 point. I wasn't ready when that happened. Yeah. And I've been, I've been in a situation in this certain area um, on this public, they seem to run does like the end of October. I don't know why every year I've been in there, they run does. And 
I had this instance where, again, I was climbing down. It was like, I don't even know what time it was, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, it's getting a little hot out, and I was just starting to climb down. I just put my bow down, and I'm getting ready to, to take my sticks off and whatnot. Here come three does and two bucks, and one of them was a big old eight point. He came right, they all came right underneath the stand, and I just wasn't ready. I ended up pulling my bow back up, and I came to full draw, and he ended up, it was just being too, he was just too far away. But yeah, it's just mental toughness and just being ready. Like that, all that grind that we, you know, we work for that all year, and it just all has to come together when we just, we can't be, um, we can't be hesitant on yeah. this time because you have to just be ready. You really do. You have to be ready. Well, and I think this time frame is is probably the hardest to be mentally tough. Not that the fact just oh, yeah. because you're grinding every day, but you put the pressure builds up at this point in the season, yes. right? I mean, if you whether you're seeing deer or you know if you haven't put something on the ground yet, you know. Um, you're spending time away from the family. So, you know, that's starting to build up and you haven't put, you know, you haven't got anything yet. You're seeing other people on social media getting bucks and then just like time after time and time. And then you have a couple rough sits, especially on your recation. And then you're just like mentally drained by that point. And it's really hard to really focus and say, Hey, I got to keep grinding, you know, focus of what I want to do and accomplish. And then two, I mean, you only got a week or two left of the season, right? You may only have three or four sits left. I mean, if not less than that, and that really is hard to mentally be prepared and still focus throughout that time frame. Sure. Yeah. Really good points. Yep. And I think a lot of the times, you know, when I have those, I try not to put, I didn't this year, I only have like two or three, but I try not to put as many stationary stands up, you know, permanent stands, because when that happens and I'm not using this mobile stand behind me, I get lazy and I'm like, I'll just go here. Even if, you know, that spot might not be my best spot or whatever, I'll just go here. And then, you know, I waste a sitter a couple hours or whatever. So I, I think when it comes down to it, um, you know, the mental toughness thing, you also just got to be smart about what, what decisions you make, even though like you might be in this big fog, like you said, and you're spending time away from family and you're, you know, getting down to the last week or so of the season. You just got to be smart with your decisions too, because all it takes is that one deer to come by that one doe and you're, you're done. That's it. You're tagged out. So you just got to be smart with, with the decisions you make. Yep. Calculated man. Now, Here's a, here's a question for you, Kurt. Over the years now, how have you become a more comfortable, confident, efficient hunter uh, during the rut? Okay. Um, I think just from all the uh, historical data that I have and then just the, the time and the effort that I put in in the offseason, um, if I'm not tagged out by – you know, this time of the year, I know that it's just a matter of time and, um, I'm just going to put my time in and, you know, burn hours in my stand and, and then it's going to happen all of a sudden. So last year, um, the same thing happened. You know, I, I kind of got lazy there during the first part of November and I kicked myself in the butt about it, but I, you know, um, got motivated again and I started going to my better spots. And even if I was doing some hanging hunts and things 
and I was doing those all day sits and that's why I had that opportunity at that, uh, that big one. Um, but I just think it comes down to, uh, yeah, just sit in your good spots and, uh, making good decisions and making, make, you also still have to make sure the wind's right. And, um, you know, if you're in there checking your cameras and doing things and, um, you still have to be smart with, you know, some of those deer might, they might be two miles away. So, um, yeah, that's what it comes down to. You just gotta, gotta work for it. You gotta put the effort in and, uh, be smart. Here's a question for you. Have, do you have a spot or have you known of of a spot or friends where all year, whether it be summertime, uh, early fall, you're like, man, these cameras are showing no bucks, but you know, historically come November, man, it is just like, wham, there they are. They just come out of nowhere. You don't know, you don't know where these bucks came from basically, but you know, like, but in that area, you know, it's a good doe area. So that's why you, you know, do you know of a spot like that or hunted a spot like that ever? Yep. Definitely. This, this spot right here, um, it's right on the edge of this goldenrod field. And then there's a big swamp behind. I don't want to give the spot away, but yeah, it's yeah. fine. Um, I shot him on the seventh and then my buddy last year, I can't remember if it was, it was a Tuesday. I killed him on a Tuesday and then my buddy killed one within 30 yards of where I shot him last year. He killed one on a Tuesday as well. And I can't remember if it was the, the fourth or the ninth of November. It was right around those couple days where it's really good in there. And, uh, he was betting, this buck was betting up in that doe bedding close to it. And my buddy rattled and grunted real hard. And this is a tactic that I, I'm not very good at. I, I'll tell you right now, I'm just not aggressive with that kind of stuff, but he is, he's killed last few years. He's killed bucks, rattling him in. He rattled and grunted and this buck came in going a hundred miles an hour and he ended up shooting him and, and killing that buck that day. But that was within like 30 yards and that's just a really good area during that time of year. Like they're, they're just sitting, bedding down, waiting for a doe to come into heat in that area. And you can, you can get it done in that area every single year. And it's kind of cool how they were both Tuesdays. Like the pressure must be low on that day because, you know, there might be bird hunters or archery hunters in there on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, you know, there's probably no pressure. And then Tuesday, they seem to be always be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are really good in that area. So that's because what's funny is last year. Now this is now for me personally, I only have one year under this data kind of driven thing. It was August, uh, like 18th, 20 or 22nd, like that time frame that Mm -hmm. we're starting to hear more people talk about, Hey, if you might all of a sudden get these bucks randomly showing up in August and they're checking that fall range and whatever. And so I had these two, three bucks hit a camera Never saw them prior to that date. Never saw them really until late October-ish maybe. Uh, but one of them, my dad ended up killing that seven-pointer. And then I th- okay. I'm pretty sure I would I'd bet the house on it that the, the eight-point that I was drawn back on was the one that was also with him during that time frame. But again, never saw them beforehand. Never And like, I don't know. It's just, it kind of, so that's, this year, that area, I didn't get a really good trail cam spot. But again, like I said to my, you know, I, there's another area that has been lit up, you know, all, all year. And again, I know this mm-hmm. is 
coming out. So hopefully we could do a part two and I could say, yeah, that's where I kill the buck. But uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's just fascinating how some of these spots that just over time, yeah. you know, they produce, even if you do not get them on camera and, or I, I would see them maybe once in October 16th during a cold front. And it, you know, it's one of them, but it's not like the, the big, big boy basically, but mm-hmm. during the rut, man, I mean, one, two, two years ago when I killed my, my buck literally 20 minutes later because of the commotion of him dying down comes. I didn't know at the time, but I mean, he was, he was a lot bigger than my buck that I shot a lot wider and just taller. And I just remember watching him go going, Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Just, you know, and I've never once saw him on camera and it's just crazy to see that. I had this other area too. Uh, Last year I ran a cell camera at the end of October, I think it was like the 20-something of October, my cameras didn't start lighting up there till Halloween on the 31st, and they blew up throughout there. Like, there were like five or six shooters in that area. Um, the, the 31st through like the, I think it was like the 6th or something like that. And then it slowed down, and then it, it heated back up like the 12th, 11th or 12th of November to like the 14th. Yep. And there was there was like no activity in there all of uh, October. Cause I had just a regular camera in there. There was a couple nice two and a half year olds on a scrape, but it blew up there the first part of November, like right around Halloween and stuff. Yeah. And then this year. So what I did, it's funny. I put the same exact cell camera in there on the same tree on the same scrape. I have deer in there. I've had one nice buck and it was the buck. I don't know if you guys follow, but, um, it was the buck that I found. Let me grab it one yeah, second. Yeah, I yeah. gotta grab it. Oh, I actually remember seeing him post this. Yeah, this is this buck's awesome. Look at this thing. Oh boy. Yeah, I hunted this deer for three Drop years. Time. Drop time oh. kicker. This is on public, so he's in the one fifties, one sixties. I don't even know. I don't even care what he would score, but um, yeah, I had him on camera. On July 17th or something like that, I might be totally wrong, but it was somewhat sometime in July. Then I've never had a nice buck after that. And it's I, I've had my camera in there since July. So right there tells you that's not a good area early season. They don't really spend time in there. There is oaks in there, so it could be decent early season, but they don't come around that scrape. And it heats up because it's one of those funnels that I found that you can't find on the map yep. and it pinches down and they run through there during the rut and it's lights out in there. Yeah. Now, what are you doing? I mean, I know this is not exactly rut talk, but what are you doing when you find a lot of your, your bucks in the summertime getting good pictures, but then kind of leading up to the season, you know, if you want to target that buck, and he kind of leaves or changes that, that core area a little bit. Now, what are you doing to kind of trying to pin down where he's moving to his new travel routes? Um, that way you can kind of formulate a game plan for the rest of the season. Sure. Yeah. I run a lot of cameras. Um, so that's probably my, my answer to that is I just, I bounce cameras around and I scatter them around the certain area that I'm hunting. And if I can't find him, I just know he's on a different property or something. Cause, um, or he's just across the road on private or whatever. Um, I know this guy here, the big one, he was spending a lot of time on private land, but he was betting on that public land. Okay. 
And um, I had pictures of them in 2019, 20, and then, uh, no, it was 2020. And then last year he was almost almost as big as he, as he was this year. And then I had pictures of him. The last picture I got of him was sometime in uh, late July is when I got a picture of him. But um, he was only dead for a couple weeks when I found him. But, um, yeah, I just think I go back on my – um, on my cameras and just start checking them. And um, I've hunted one specific deer before and it's, it's extremely difficult, especially on public land. So what I do is I usually try to find a certain area, not a certain buck. And I hunt that certain area. Like I have this one area I hunt. I probably have at least four deer I'd shoot on it this year. And that's just in a 200 acre area that I have cameras and things. So am I going to see any of those deer, you know, come season? Probably, but probably not all of them. And if one of them comes by, I'd be happy with them. So, um, yeah, I think bouncing, you know, scattering your cameras around and bouncing around and checking them, I think that's a good way of monitoring the certain area and finding where, you know, a certain deer lives. If, if that's your goal to target a specific deer, but when it comes to the rut, I'm just sitting and waiting and you know, if a good one comes by, you know, yeah, it's, that's what it comes down to. How are you, how do you handle like that? You know, we, we brought it up actually within the first couple minutes like that, a lockdown or you just, you know, it's, it's just that dead period. Are, are you focusing on the funnel areas, the transition transition areas and the, from between, you know, bedding and maybe a food source or anything regarding that? So those lockdown areas are, are very difficult. Um, but what I usually focus on, and I don't know if anybody has the same opinion as this, but I've had really good luck in the lockdown in super, super thick areas. Um, I had this one spot that I hunt. Um, there is a swamp down below and then it kind of comes up on a ravine. And then the top of the, of that, that area is extremely thick with like prickers and crab apples and, you know, stuff that you can barely even walk through. And I usually hunt like 50, 60 yards from that. And I've had really good encounters during the lockdown phase in those really, really thick areas. Because what I think those bucks are doing is they're just bumping those does um, into that thick stuff. And that's kind of how they corner them in that thick stuff. And then that's how they breed them and stuff. But, um, that would be my answer. Just hunt near really, really thick areas. And you still have to be close to doe bedding and things too. Um, I think a lot of my answer is always going to be doe bedding during the rut. Um, but when it comes down to lockdown, I'm hunting super, super thick areas. So last year I remember, was it the day? Yeah, it was the day that you tagged out. It was that Friday because, or no, it was a Thursday, wasn't it? Friday. It was a Friday. It rained. It was pouring down rain back at home in northeastern Pennsylvania. And mm-hmm. I was trying to time it that I would get in on in a tree right when it was, you know, obviously maybe still raining and, and you know, not getting totally soaked. And the rain ended up stopping a little bit earlier than it was originally saying it was going to. And mm-hmm. I remember walking down the two track trail and I got to a spot and I was walking really slow just because these deer on like where I hunt on back at home, they like to parallel this, this road going that two track going up, up the mountain. 
or down the mountain. And, I, and so I walked really cautiously and I looked over like the one edge basically. And mm-hmm. as I looked, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And all of a sudden these two, a doe and, and a buck had me pinned immediately. And I just, and I just she, she took she off. Took he got up and, and ran. And you were saying it's, I mean, depending on the pressure, the area, it could be, I, I agree 100% with you, Kurt. It, I've, I've like where Demetri and I hunt to me during that midday, when I see them getting up and seeking, he's coming out of the thickest, nastiest stuff. And I'm, yep. that's where that transition area is back at home. Yep. It's, you know, that's not as much pressure. So it's kind of, well, I don't want to, it's not easier, but it's, it actually makes it, I think a little bit more difficult because it's just, it's so, so fast and it could be anywhere. Yep. I think, um, another answer could be hunt those spots in the, in the, in the lockdown where not many people think to hunt. Mm-hmm. So the super thick areas or, um, I've even done it, you know, where I've hunted a hundred yards or 200 yards from a parking lot in that, in that time frame, And I've had really good hunts in those areas too, because people are walking way back in. They want to get into the funnels. They want to get in, you know, to whatever, where a lot of people hunt and it's pressured and the deer know that. And then they bed in the most awkward spots. Yep. Like you said, right, right, right off the, the trail or whatever. Yep. So that's a really good uh, point is to just those lockdown times are just awkward. They just mm-hmm. are, but don't overthink it. Yeah. And that, that's a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the, the, a lot of the answers that I have for the rut is just don't overthink it. Just go hunt, just go hunt and go hunt a spot where, you know, there's deer and you could see a deer off a trail 20 yards away and just put your time in. Yeah. So what about you're saying you're not very confident in your calling strategies. Are do you, do you call much at all or, or yay, nay? When I it don't, comes? No, I don't rattle much at all. Um, the only time I've really had, a decent luck rattling was in Texas when I hunted down there. I've killed some nice bucks in Texas on public land down there. Um, my brother was stationed down there, so he had some areas where we were hunting. And uh, we rattled a, a giant 10-point in down there, and I ended up uh, missing him. My arrow hit a branch. I've had some crazy <laughs> last couple of years, some bad luck and stuff. But um, they – I don't know. The areas that I hunt are extremely pressured and I just don't think they're receptive to, mm-hmm. to, to rattling at least I've had some good luck grunting. Okay. And you know, with, with a can and things like that, a doe bleak can and stuff, I've had some awesome luck with that, but not really, not really rattling. And I just don't know if it's a certain area and there's just not the amount of bucks. So they don't have to, you know, fight or whatever. But um, it just could be the area, could be the pressure, but I've never really had luck uh, rattling. But that turns it back on me because my buddy, who's killed two or three rattling, maybe I'm just not good at it or something. I don't know. It just it could come. It just can come down to whoever is rattling and and what deer in the area as well. It's such a tough topic because yeah. some people, like you said, have really good success with success it and. With it. Some people don't. And yep. I mean, 
I don't know. You just hear always every half hour, 45 minutes, let it, you know, like, well, what about you? Have you had luck rattling or I, I've even said I've had more luck. So with, so with like a doe bleat like, and, yeah. and grunts, I, I've yeah. even back at home where it, it's not heavily pressured, but I mean, heck that one, I just still think of the day before, uh, it was like November 7th and it was beautiful out. Dimitri and I, we were up uh, on public land and he already shot his buck in October. And I mean, you mm-hmm. couldn't like just what we said earlier, it's you see your, your breath and it's just, you could hear every little, uh, a, a leaf drop yep. hit the ground yep. and we did a calling sequence. And I mean, you, you would think the deer heard it all the way over to like Belfont just because, I mean, it was, it just was that type of morning. And we just sat there, nothing. I mean, it was yeah. like deader than dead out. And you're just like, you, like I said, you scratch your head and you're like, man, this is, this is the time. This is when it should be bonkers, when my head should be spinning yeah. around. And, you know, but, and then the next morning I went in Northeast PA and I literally got in and by the skin of my teeth and I thought I bumped something out going into like a, a like my stand at the time and, when I got up there, I remember I texted my dad real quick because he was working overnight, and I just said, I think I bumped something. I'm like, I'm so mad. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to – like, what do you think? He's like, just just sit there. And I was like, yeah, okay, I know. Like, just trying to calm down. I, you know, Mr. Negative I was being. <laughs> yeah. And then it just kept getting a little bit more like that. My watch, and I, I saw my wife texting me, and she was like, are you good? Like, are you safe? And then all of a sudden I heard, like, something snap again. And I looked over at my bow and my pins were lit up and I looked back down at my watch. And I'm like, man, I'm two minutes away from shooting light. Like, come on, let's go. And yep. four or five four minutes five later, later. He, he came nine yards, nine yards and I just saw that he was a legal buck and I shot, shot. heart shot runs up the mountain, which was great. Cause it, you know, it eliminated a even worse, you know, pulling him out, getting out of there. Yeah. And then I just remember I, I called my dad and he's like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, he was getting off of work and, and I was all excited. I said, I blasted him. As soon as I hit him, he just went, ah, gave that yep. big growl. And, and yep. like, cause it was a perfect heart shot. And then, like I said, I, I said, I'm going to get down just to verify. And you know, your mind plays tricks on you. So you don't realize you think you heard the crash. And I got down, I checked where the, the arrow broke off and there were blood everywhere. And I got up in the tree and I started getting cold then and I grab grab my big heavy gloves. I put those on, and that's when I heard snap. And I looked behind me, like thirteen yards, and there was that big oh, guy. No. And I was like, "You've got to be shitting me!" I'm like, "I hope the one I shot is a good buck," good buck. which he was. <laughs> I'm so happy and proud of that buck. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. When, that big one when he started walking and just looked at me, didn't care, just continued to walk. He actually went right to the arrow, kind of put his head down, like I I swear he sniffed it, and then he just walked away had no did not care like i could have said hey what are you doing and he just had no care in the world wow yeah Yeah. of course yeah of course (laughs) but that was last year or the year that was two years ago two Two years years ago okay yeah no that was was, yeah so some good times man but sweet man well kurt let's let's do this let's do quick rapid fire uh Well, that time, the time frame of uh, November, say seventh to the fourteenth, just to make it an, an even whatever seven eight days. What uh, how are you? What would you say to use that time wisely? 
Are you all day periodically every two, three days? If nothing happens, you're switching. What's, what's your game plan for using that time wisely? Yep. Um, if you have the time off, just be in the woods and, uh, make sure you're, you know, you're in and you're stand, you know, pretty early. Um, and you're hunting the first couple hours in the morning. I like to sit all day. I mean, in those, those times I like to sit all day and, uh, you know, if you're getting discouraged and whatnot, move spots, get in and get out. And because it can happen anytime, it can happen at one, two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, you know, I've had bucks daylight in, in that time of the day. So you just got to be in the stand and, you know, if you're getting discouraged and you're getting down on yourself, kind of like you were, all you have to do, all it takes is just one deer and, and you're tagged out. So, uh, you know, try to keep your confidence up. And, um, if you have to switch spots, if you're sick of looking at the same four trees then <laughs> switch spots and, uh, just sit it out and wait. And, uh, I think you'll have good luck. Nice. What's the deer you're most proud of? The deer I'm most proud of. It's uh, a good question. Probably this one. Yeah. Probably that one. One thirty-three and four eights. Uh, last year's deer would have been amazing. Uh, I hunted him all year. Passed up a lot of good deer. That twelve point was huge too. It didn't kill him. This buck was cool. Um, I've had a lot of good, a lot of good bucks and, um, I never had a history with him, but he's the biggest one I ever shot. So, uh, got him on film. Awesome footage. Yep. Um, yeah, probably him. <laughs> what about the best rut snack? The best rut snack. <laughs> 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 That's a good question. Um, man. I love cookies. Tasty cakes. Tasty cakes, chocolate oh, tasty chip cakes. bar. Yeah. Yeah. Anything <laughs> like that. Yep. Because, because sitting there, you have to have that sugar rush, yeah. rush a little bit too. And then like so, Ryan Glitzky like, says, as soon as that hits, and then you're like, you're ready to oh, yeah. that. <laughs> I sometimes bring, if it's cold enough, I'll bring uh, peanut, peanut butter M&Ms with me too. Ooh, okay. Because – it's not one thing you eat and it's gone. Like you can sit there and slowly just put one in, in your mouth and you get, there's, I don't know, 15 or 20 of them. And I like the crunch and yep. Yep. I don't know. I like M&Ms. So I like it. Uh, all right. Here's like a two parter. What's your, your favorite day to hunt the rut. And then like, what was your create? Like if, if you if you remember the date or you could even talk a little bit about it, but the craziest rut activity day. Okay. That's, those are pretty good questions. Um, my favorite day is probably November 8th um, for the rut. Uh, I've had a lot of really good encounters on the 8th. I've killed one or two bucks on the 8th. I killed him on the 7th, but the 8th is probably my favorite. Um, I've had some sits where I've passed up probably six or seven bucks in one day. Um, last year, last year was one of my best seasons. Honestly, I had a couple sits where I passed up four or five bucks in one day and a bunch of two and a half year olds. Um, when I was hunting that 12 point, I passed up like one in the one thirties and I shouldn't have done that. That was just dumb. But, um, 
I just love the rut, man. There's just nothing. <laughs> there's just nothing the same about it. It could be really, really slow the one day. And the next day you go back in that stand and it could be lights out. Yep. It could be grunting and running and, you know, you see five or six deer and then it could slow down for 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, like those, those times where I have good days, it's like, I don't even put my bow down. My bow's in my hand and I'm standing up in my stand. Cause I'm a, I'm a stander. I like to stand about 85% of the time. Um, and it's just like your head's on a swivel. You're looking and all of a sudden you see one cruising like a hundred yards. Okay. He, I saw a buck. Then all of a sudden here comes one right by you and it's like back and forth. Yep. And that's why I love this time of year because you never know what to expect. Yep. Yep. Last one, a tip to get to stay warm during this time frame. Oh, last year. Um, honestly, uh, I have those little, my hands usually get pretty cold, but last year my feet, got cold a couple days because we had a pretty cold mm-hmm. winter last year. Mm-hmm. And to keep your feet warm, I had those, uh, they're like hand warmers, but they're little like toe warmers. Yep. And what I did was I, you know, you just shake them up really good. And then I stick them in the bottom of my boot and they stick to the bottom so they don't move around and stuff. And then I sit there and I just move my feet back and forth. And that kept my feet warm for eight or nine hours. That's but good. to keep my hands warm, I don't know. I just put my hands in my pants a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Not to be awkward or anything, but I just stick my hands in my pants. I'm not a glove guy. I don't wear gloves usually okay. unless it's stinking 13 degrees yep. or whatever. And, you know, you don't really get that in November. There's days you do, but, you know, I like to just be able to grab my bow really quick and draw. I don't like to fiddle with gloves and things like that. So, um a nice hand warmer, you know, one of the ones that you put your hands in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the clothes that I wear are pretty warm, though. I, I wear Sitka stuff, and they're they're pretty stinking warm. So awesome! Um, I would think just keeping your hands in your pants, though. Yeah, I like that. That's a good way to end it. Put your hands in your pants, man. Put your hands in your pants, man. Yep, yep. I like yeah. it. Well, Kurt, man, where could people follow along? I mean, obviously, you got your – please plug your YouTube stuff and everything that you have sure. going on. I forgot to say that, you know, when we first did the intro, but yeah, um, I started, uh, this YouTube channel and social media called Ridge Raised Outdoors, um, back in 2015 when I was out in California in the service and I just carried a GoPro around and I shot ducks and had a good time out there. And then when I came home, I started to really get into the film thing. Um, I filmed that buck behind me in 2017, self-filmed him. And then I've just been filming ever since my brother is a really big part of it. And I got some friends that helped me and stuff. So, um, I'm just blessed to be able to do what I do and, you know, God's given me the strength to, to do it. And if you guys just go on social media and follow, yeah, follow Ridge Raised Outdoors, Instagram, Facebook, and then our main things, YouTube, we just came out, um, at the start of the year, we came out with that video it's already got a bunch of views. It's, it was pretty fun to go down to Pittsburgh and do that, but we'll come out with a bunch of videos this year. Hopefully we get some success through a couple of us and then, uh, we can get back on and do this again and we can talk success, uh, story. Yeah, so absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you, uh, coming on and talking some rutting strategy. I mean, I'm fired up. I'm ready to rock and roll. So, uh, man, thank you so much, Kurt. Thanks again, everybody for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week and antler up.